gentlemen. Welcome aboard Animusings. Sit comfortably in your cages and cars, and we'll get this show on the road. <laughs> I mean, track. All aboard! All aboard! All aboard! All aboard! I wish I could have had those things that you could put it in against your neck. There is a name for that. There is. There is. I looked it up after we did the Reluctant Dragon. Um, then I promptly forgot it. So I will put that in, give that information to you in just a moment. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Animusing. Hi. Um, we are, this is, we had a little bonus episode earlier this month where we talked about the Reluctant Dragon, but now we're back on track, literally, with uh, the next, uh, this is the fourth uh, major animated feature for Walt Disney Studios. Yep. Uh, we're going to be talking about Dumbo. Uh, Dumbo was released, actually, funny enough, October 31st, 1941. This isn't our October episode, though. This is our September episode, I oddly know. enough. <laughs> it's like, oh, dang it. Uh, so Halloween 1941. Mm-hmm. Interesting. This episode, um, I feel like we're... We will talk about the movie, don't get me wrong. <laughs> That's the plan, yeah. But um, I think this is one of the few movies where the history that or what was going on behind the scenes was a bit more important than the actual film itself. I mean... I mean, content-wise? I think you're more well-versed in this than I am, so um, uh, I'll defer to you on this one for sure. So one of the things that we discovered um, for The Reluctant Dragon was that there was a strike going on. That's right. And uh, I told you that in Dumbo, we would, uh, I would actually delve into it and get a better understanding of what was going on. Mm-hmm. And now, just letting you know, uh, the strike actually had a big effect on this movie. So um, let's let me get a start before we go so um okay well um, i mean <laughs> i'm willing to you know have the train just idling until we're ready to yeah get this going so uh just letting you know um uh tensions for the strike began around in the 1930s which made sense because at the time um we had the great depression and mm-hmm. actually a lot of animators at other companies during that time were struggling but uh, believe it or not, Disney artists were the best paid and worked under the best conditions in the industry. Mm-hmm. However, there started to be some discontent um, after the box office failures of Pinocchio and Fantasia. Now, I mentioned, like, uh, I think I mentioned earlier that Fantasia was a big flop and then Pinocchio didn't do so well either. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is financially, just letting you know. Right, right. They didn't make as many returns as they could have. So. Well,. As a result, Disney was forced to make layoffs, um, and as a result, there was a lot of disorganization, and actually, uh, in terms of the payment uh, for animators, it was a bit off, like, the height, like, the animators that were highly involved would make as much as, like, 200 or 300 a week, where, like, very low-ranking employees would make as little as, like, $12 a week, um... Now, just remember, this is 1941. Right. Nowadays, that'd be insane. Uh, (laughs) Right. So there was a lot of uh, complaints from their employees, um, and he didn't understand it. He was actually, Walt was actually kind of oblivious to it, because he's like, but we're all a family. I don't understand. I I got you this new studio space in Burbank. What's wrong? Uh, So the animator's like, well, we want to unionize so they can get uh, better pay. Uh, 
Disney did not agree to this or did not like this at all. So actually, he gathered all his employees together in an auditorium and gave this speech. I actually got it word for word. Oh, wow. In the 20 years I've spent in this business, I've weathered many storms. It's been far from easy sailing. It's required a great deal of work, struggle, determination, competence, faith, and above all, unselfishness. Some people think we have class distinction in the place. Then wonder why some people get better seats in the theater than others. Then wonder why some men get spaces in the parking lot and others don't. I've always felt and always will feel that the men that contribute most to the organization should, out of respect alone, enjoy some privileges. My first recommendation to the lot of you is this. Put your own house in order. You can't accomplish a damn thing by sitting around and waiting to be told everything. If you're not progressing as you should, instead of grumbling and growling, do something about it. Whoa. Well, they did. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Clearly, when when someone comes at you like that, I think uh, I think a strike is is kind of in order. And a strike. No offense. Yeah. I mean, to Walt, Walt was doing what he wanted to do. But if I I was an animator and I heard lack, I'd be like, yeah, screw you, buddy. Exactly. So the strike began May 29th, nineteen forty one. So uh, the strike was happening during the production of Dumbo, but not when it came out. Of course, I figured it. It only la- it lasted five weeks, and actually, animators from other studios like. Uh, Chuck Jones actually um, contributed and like volunteered their cars to form a like motorcade around the Disney Studios. <laughs> um, how uh, it was able to be ta- uh, like settled was that Walt Disney, um, from a recommendation, agreed to do a tour of Latin America as a goodwill ambassador. And actually, this would lead to like later films uh, like Saludos Amigos and the Three Caballeros. Okay, which I think is actually good to know especially since those are the films we're going to review soon. Mm-hmm. Um, his removal from the scene actually allowed pe- things to cool, and um, the strike was actually settled with a mediator. Uh, and um, they actually agreed with uh, the animator side. So Disney okay. signed a contract, and ever since then, the animators have been a union shop ever since. Okay, so Walt just kind of, so Walt stepped away for a bit to do this tour, and then that gave him, when he came back with through a mediator, that helped give all sides a little bit more perspective, and then there was an agreement reached. Exactly. That's good. But I imagine that during the strike, it did affect the production. Oh, it absolutely, I mean, it affected uh, the whole studio. I mean, Disney did not forgive any of the animators that did strike. And then not only that, or like he had a tough time forgiving. He's like, it's like th- this was an ugly moment for him in his life. And then mm-hmm. not only that, uh, there was twelve hundred employees. It dropped down to about seven hundred. Oh wow! Yeah, that's a lot of people striking. Exactly. So uh, a lot of animators left during this time, and actually a lot of bigger big animators too. And they went on to do different things. Okay. So um, I figured that'd be important to know. Um, Especially since, uh, like, this was something that was, like, going on during the production of Dumbo. Um, And also, not only that, with the strike, plus the, basically, the failures of Fantasia and um, uh, Pinocchio, they lowered the budget quite a bit for this one compared to the other films. Did they had they already decided on the budget for Dumbo before they they started or did, or before production began or did they have to cut the budget like midway through? 
Um, I think it was much more early. It was definitely earlier on. So they they changed they budgeted it earlier. I think so. I, I think so. Because yeah. uh, basically, he was asked. I mean, D- Walt said, "Simplify production and keep it inexpensive." So if you'll notice the character designs, it, it, like I remember we were mentioning this, like the character designs are a bit more simpler they're not there's not as much details there are there are actually like people with no faces and mm. the backgrounds weren't as detailed it was still really pretty but on oh, the movie the movie is still i mean when we're talking about um a budgeted animation we're still talking about disney so even with the budget you can tell there's there's a striving for the for still quality with what they had um, it definitely affected the runtime of the movie. I think this was just under. This, this is, is just over an hour long. Actually, uh, yeah, it, this is only a sixty-four minute movie. This, yeah, it, it, it is uh, probably one of their shortest films. Mm-hmm. Uh, then, like uh, the shortest film that they have is actually Saludos Amigos, which is only forty-two minutes. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> but there's others like Winnie the Pooh was sixty-three minutes. Okay. And then um, uh, Ichabod and Mr. Toad's 68, I think, is right above that. Okay. Uh, Man, there's another one. If, if it weren't for our timeline, that would be a great one to do in October, oh, Ichabod God, and Mr. Yeah. Toad. But uh, as such, we're sticking to chronology here, so uh, mm-hmm. our, our monthly chronology here. Uh, not only that, here's, an, here's the thing, though. Uh, Dumbo actually did successfully. Despite like them cutting up a lot of, on budgeting, mm-hmm. they, uh, I mean, the film was about 813000 and it's actually considered the least expensive out of all the Disney's animated features. It made $2.5 million in, during its original release, which is quite amazing. That's like, pretty impressive, yeah. So that, that act- Dumbo actually kind of saved them. So this is the little movie that could. Basically, which is funny because... Uh, <laughs> uh, we'll get into that. We'll get into that. But. Was this uh, was Dumbo? Okay, since I'm I'm deferring to you a lot on this one because um, uh, just from a personal history, I never. Th- to be honest, I don't know the last time I saw Dumbo all the way through. I didn't grow up with Dumbo as much as I did other Disney movies, and uh, I think a lot of my exposure to Dumbo came through a lot of those uh, sing along song videotapes. They had <laughs> excerpts from Dumbo that they had the sing alongs to. I um, you know, I th- I did watch Dumbo all the way through when I was fourteen, if I recall, because I I think have I brought this up before? Like uh, that um, there was a period like when I was fourteen years old, because uh, uh, for a while, um, I lived in apartments and all of our movies, like everything, was in storage and. When I turned when around when I was fourteen, we finally got to rent a house that could house all our movies, uh-huh. and then I just had a basically animation film splurge and watched a lot of the classics. I th- uh-huh. I th- I'm not sure if I mentioned that before. Um, I don't think you have, but okay. this is okay. So uh, a lot of the times, if I say, "Oh, well, this was from." I'll just say what this is from the splurge. This is from the splurge. <laughs> splurge. So there's a key keyword to the audience now to the, the, our listeners. So like when I was 14 years old, I rewatched uh, a bunch of animated films mm-hmm. from my childhood because I, I was just like so ecstatic. Like I have all my movies back. <laughs> um, this included a bunch of other films outside of Disney, but uh, that's not important. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now is Dumbo based on anything? It is. It's actually based on a short story. Uh, by um uh it is based on a 
Children's Story by Helen Aberson. Helen Aberson. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, yeah, once again, drawing inspiration from a, you know, D- Disney so far has done adapted works. Yes. In in some way, every Disney animated feature up to this point has been derivative of something else. Snow White is, you know, a Grimm's fairy tale. Pinocchio was the, uh, the famous Italian novel? No. Yes. Yes. Yeah, it's Italian. I'm suddenly blanking on the... Pino- yeah. Pinocchio is Italian. I know, yeah. I'd forgotten the the author's name just escaped oh. me. But then we don't have to worry about that too much. And then uh, Fantasia is all inspired by... Um, music. Music. Exactly. So there's that too. Um, so now we come to Dumbo, and it's, I, I like to know the sources. Um, because again, I think most people... I don't know how many people know the original... Uh, children's story but a lot of people know Dumbo through Disney and again it just shows how much of a cultural impact Disney animation has you look at Dumbo Dumbo again little movie that could little elephant that could fly (laughs) soared into the hearts of millions now why I suppose that's why we're here we're gonna go through actually actually this is John Lasseter's favorite Disney film this is John Lasseter's favorite Disney film yeah so or actually favorite movie like fully favorite movie really yeah so let's. Lasseter has good taste. He does. Let's see why that is. Yeah, let's let's see if we can delve into Dumbo. So the opening credits of the movie are great. It sets up that we're in for a circus story. Oh yeah, and circus that's... music, uh, carnival flyers are are basically framing the credits, which I think is really nice. And then I think that's the thing that hit me the most is like this is actually a lot a a lot about the day or not day in the life of, but um, uh, a slice of life into people that work in the circus Mm -hmm. from the point of view of animals. Yeah, it's a circus movie. And um, it's interesting because I feel like a lot of the early part of the movie is told with very minimal dialogue. You Mm -hmm. kind of just get the impression of what's going on through the the characters. There's dialogue, of course, but not a ton. No. Um, What's interesting is when the movie first opens, you've you've got like rain, thunder, lightning, and a speech by... The same voice you hear in the world, like the how goofy how-to cartoon, <laughs> talking about the diligence of storks. And then we get our first song, Look Out for Mr. Stork. Yep. Which, uh, it, there's, I, I found um, the lyrics kind of funny. We actually watched the movie with uh, subtitles uh, because uh, it just came within, we were, uh, or the movie we're watching just came within, we're just like, all right. And the lyrics themselves are, Kind of like, oh God, like they're like, watch out for Mr. Stork. uh, He'll come when you least expect it. Now, I I don't know how many people know this. Um, I'm assuming a lot of people do. But uh, the idea of the stork is that um, the stork delivers babies Mm -hmm. to um, expecting parents. And that's how... Uh, apparently, babies are born. <laughs> this is this is a where definitely where babies come from. At least baby animals in this universe. Yeah. So there's a, the whole beginning as a, with the lookout for Mr. Stork is um, all these storks are delivering delivering baby animals. They fly. They're flying over Florida, which is hilarious because when you see the the continent from above, they're all flying in the clouds at night. You look down. Everything is clearly labeled like a big cartoon map. Yeah. It says Florida on Florida. There's a clear line dividing it from Georgia. You know, like... I, I find it funny. It's like, oh, this film takes place in Florida. Yeah. you. I had forgotten about that part of it. I have too. It's like, huh, okay. 
I wonder if there's a thing about circuses in Florida that well, we don't know about. I, I don't know. Like, uh, I mean, uh, this is a completely different thing, but um, American Horror Story Freak Show takes place in Florida. That's what I thought of. Uh, that's what popped into my head was uh, I think the majority of it takes place in Jupiter, Florida. It does, yeah. So it's like, what a weird thing. Um, but anyway, uh, so we have uh, Jumbo, uh, or Mrs. Jumbo, my Mrs. Apology. Jumbo. Uh, a female elephant who's looking for the stork to deliver her baby. She's expecting. She is expecting. And then finally we see the stork uh, coming to deliver her baby. It's not until later, though. A it's little not later. Until after oh, the that's song. right. That's right. Because first we see... Casey first, Jr. Yeah. Well, first we see all the baby animals get dropped off, and it's it's adorable. They're really cute. You get a lot of consistent designs through Disney movies. Like, you see the hippos, and the hippos look just like they do in Fantasia, except they're, they act more like, you know, actual animals. So Mrs. Jumbo is very sad that she didn't get her delivery. And then we go to the next day, and there's Casey Jr., the circus train, idling at the station, and they load all the animals onto the train. Mm-hmm. And um, this is where I want to chime in. So the device with uh, the device that the, de- <laughs> the device that uh, was used to make the Casey Jr. voice is an early form of vocoder called a sonovox. A sonovox. A sonovox. And, it, and it's where you hold those two things up to your neck and it makes that metallic sound. It's like I said, it's a very early kind of vocoder, vocoder sound. It's so t- I did look that up. So whoever's voicing Casey is, is talking through a sonovox. Um, and then we get Casey, the whole Casey Jr. thing, which is great. It's this little, little train with a personality. Eat your heart out, Thomas the Tank Engine. Casey Jr. is coming down the track. Coming down the track with the smoky stack. <laughs> <laughs> that is so cute. What is? Uh, the just the scene itself. It's like it's just so it's so awesome. Uh, I love this song. I Casey Junior song is is freaking catchy. I don't know why. It's just it's charming and watching the train go and it's puffing through this cartoony version of Florida. Like is when it cuts to the above. Sometimes you see it chuffing along the road map and this like cartoon road map of Florida from above this atlas. And um, and this goes on for a little bit. You see, and the lyrics are pretty fun. And uh, I mean, was there anything else you wanted to add about I mean, Casey? I mean, I mean, I, I, I when I was watching it, I thought a lot about the reluctant dragon mm-hmm. and the sounds that they used and all that. It's funny, Wiz, uh, compared to Pinocchio and uh, Snow White, especially to Snow White, the animation is a little bit more um, cartoony. It's a little bit more, the characters are rounder, they have uh, bigger, more vibrant expressions, colors are bright. Um, There's not as much of an intent for realism as much as, I think sometimes watching it, or I was saying this to you as I was watching it, it almost looks like a silly symphony piece in a way. Yeah, it feels, I mean... Circa 1940s, of course. Yeah, but. it feels like it should. Like I, I, I mean, basically, in the Reluctant Dragon, it sort of got a, a bit of its own uh, silly symphony piece, um, and I'm glad it did. Casey Jr. isn't like you could tell they put a lot of effort into that train. So yeah, oh, that part's great. It's it's fun. It's almost like a hard. It's hard for me to point out specific moments that I like in the Casey Jr. thing. I just like the whole song. Well, I also. I mean, it's a catchy song, but then I like the fact uh, with the actual Casey Jr. turning. There's a point where they're going up, and he's like, "I think I can. I think I can." 
I thought I could. I thought I could as they're going. What's great is that's an homage to the little engine that could. Yeah. Which is totally just him anyway. Um, there's some good shots. Uh, I mean, that comes a little later, but I mean, there's some parts where Casey is first chuffing into because he goes through the day and then at night he comes into the station they're going to and you see the clouds coming over the moon, the storm starting to build as they come in. I love the way that looks. That's where I think some of the most beautiful animation in this happens is mm-hmm. during the that part. But I would be remiss if we didn't talk about Dumbo's arrival via... Mr. Stork, played by... Okay, so here's a cool uh, little fact for you. Uh, this is the first Walt Disney movie to appear, Sterling Holloway, who voices Stork, but a lot of you might know him as also the voice of Winnie the Pooh mm-hmm. and Ka from The Jungle Book. Sterling Holloway, and also the Cheshire Cat. That's right! Oh my goodness. Uh, and then also later on you'll hear, uh, there's the Elephant Matriarch in there, and it's she is voiced by Verna Felton, mm-hmm. who does the voice of um, the fairy godmother in um, Cinderella, but also the voice of the Queen of Hearts in uh, Alice in Wonderland. I didn't know that part of it. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, and then also she does the voice of Flora in uh, one of the fairies in Sleeping Beauty. Like, <laughs> So we are, we are meeting some old friends for the first time in Dumbo. I tell you, uh, it's interesting when you realize that this is Sterling Holloway. He's very, uh, he's a lot more low-key in this role than yeah. he is in a lot of his other roles. Even You're- Winnie the Pooh. Mm-hmm. Actually, uh, another fun fact. Um, so Dumbo was going to have a voice actor, uh, and they were actually going to get Dickie Jones, who is the voice of Pinocchio. Aww. But they decided not to give him a voice. I think it. Be- I think Dumbo benefits from not having a voice. Same. Being a, a character who's just does everything via expressions and little cute noises, which is what he does. I know. It's like, aw. So it's adorableness. So the elephants are all gossiping, and they're talking about how Mrs. Jumbo was expecting. And the other way, these elephants are some of the worst people <laughs> in the pachyderm society. They're just... They are just awful. They're gossips, they're- and they're... They're, they have very high opinions of themselves, especially the matriarch. And at first, they're very supportive of Mrs. Jumbo. Uh, It'd be a little snide, but at least supportive. Then uh, Sterling Holloway Stork arrives and drops off, uh, drops off little Jumbo Junior. Mm-hmm. By the way, where is Mr. Jumbo? We never see him. We never see Mr. Jumbo. Can we assume? I mean, this is the circus. Is he a circus elephant that was? lost due to you know circus conditions neglect uh uh, maltreatment i mean after seeing the way they treat their elephants in this movie yeah i mean have you noticed they only have female elephants yeah that was interesting too i mean i don't know who knows but anyway uh Jumbo gets her baby elephant jumbo jr and who goes by dumbo for the rest of it they call him Dumbo only... It's the other ones who call him Dumbo, Dumbo, and it's only after he sneezes and his ears pop out. And he has big ears, and... He's so cute. He's so cute, I know. <laughs> Everybody... I, do you think... I think that's a big point about this movie that made it so successful. Dumbo is the cutest thing. Dumbo is so freaking adorable. It makes noises, and it's... Um, or he, sorry. <laughs> this made, abomination with these this, giant geez. ears. <laughs> but then, I'm going to take a cue from the elephants. Um, uh, I mean, uh, there's... But, I mean, it's like his... You can tell there's a bond between him and his mom. Um, the 
like there's a scene that pops up uh, that we I, a lot of people tend to forget, and it's um, the one where it's like pouring down rain and um, every they're setting up the circus. And there's actually a song that plays that's called "Happy Hearted Roustabouts." I I'm gonna be honest. Other than Pink Elephants on Parade, this might be my favorite part, my favorite scene in the movie. It, it's like I said, it's one of those interesting like slice of life uh, at a circus. Right. They're they're setting up the they're you see these they're mostly faceless, but you see these figures moving through the rain and they're all singing a song as they wave everything out of the train and start setting up the uh, the circus in the driving rain in a thunderstorm and they're singing about being happy hearty roustabouts how they it's hard work. They don't get paid well. When they do pay, they blow it all, but it's all worth it to see the smiles of the children on circus day. Exactly. And uh I mean, I don't know how roust- if roustabouts really feel like that. I think usually like, yeah, let's get the rubes in here so we can. <laughs> I mean, a lot of circus novels paint them. Uh, circus stories paint roustabouts as people just, you know, doing hard menial labor and hoping to like uh, skin a few uh, dollars off of the rubes that come to the circus, you know. But mm-hmm. they, I mean, I do like this piece because you see them all working and even the animals are working. You see the elephants helping set up the big top. Yeah, like Dumbo is helping out. and then He's got a little hammer in his little trunk. It's so and he's like, cute. On one of the stakes. It's pretty great. Yeah. And then we come to the first day of the circus. Dun, when, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> when the Fire Nation attacked. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Uh, different animation. Different animation. <laughs> um, so, uh, uh, I mean, J- Mrs. Jumbo is there with uh, baby Dumbo, and they're uh, basically just being cute. Still no, still no, Mr. Jumbo. Still no, Mr. Jumbo. No sign of Mr. Jumbo. And then these. Um, I will. I, I want to say real quick, Mrs. Jumbo is pretty quiet through the whole movie. She has one line. Did you <laughs> well, notice it? Yeah, where they, where the stork asks, "What's his name?" and she says, "Jumbo Junior." <laughs> And we never hear her talk again. What if she's traumatized by the loss of her beloved Mr. Jumbo? And therefore, you know, here's this last remnant of that legacy. Aww. I'm sorry, I'm running with this. <laughs> I'm running yes, with this. Yes, you are. You, this is a dark thing you're running with, but... I feel like uh, I feel like uh, one of the bots, and you're like Joel, and you're gonna from Mystery Science Theater. Okay, this is a this is a short, so I don't want it to get too dark, and it's, yeah. it happens to be about the circus. <laughs> Here comes the devil. Oh, it's piece above the clown. Okay, that's too dark. <laughs> exactly. Um. So yeah. So there is the first day, and everybody's coming up to just see the animals. And, and then, then you get those dumb teenagers. <laughs> it's Lampwick as a teenager. Oh god. Had he not turned into a donkey. This and is a, this is alternate universe Lampwick. No, but really. He's got the same hair. He's got the same buck teeth and doofy ears. Yeah, but and... even so, like these are like these dumb teenagers like, "Oh, look at this dumb elephant with big ears." And then it's like Yeah, I'm just saying, it's still Lampwick because Lampwick was a dumb kid, so he grew up to be a dumb teenager in this universe. See, it, they don't really I mean, and then Mrs. Jumbo doesn't really do anything until they're actually like pulling on his ears and stuff. I'm like grabbing him by the tail and pulling. He's shy. Don't. He's like he, at first, he's, he's laughing and he's wiggling his is ears he, like, ha, 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 I'm laughing too. And I'm like, Mrs. Jumbo is the only one who takes offense. Yeah, she's like, no, honey, no. And then all of a sudden, these teenagers pulling on his ears and stuff like that. And that's when Jumbo's like, uh, no. And then actually pulls the kid with her trunk and starts spanking him. That was so satisfying. Like, how dare you? You should be punished. 
And then, of course, uh, when the when that starts happening, people start freaking out. The ringmaster comes in, tries to get the roustabouts to uh, corral her, and she throws a fit. Oh, because yeah. Because she's just trying to protect her kid. Yeah, it's like, dude, this is why you do... It's like, honestly, this is one of those moments if it was real life. That's a teenager's all fault. Oh, no. Do not mess with the animals. Well, they, the, they, the, the dumb, oh, the ringmaster's not that bright. And none, no. neither, and the rest about, no one saw it other than ju- the teenager. Yeah. And the teenager's going to say that, that crazy elephant attacked me. So Aww. Mrs. Jumbo is, of course, freaking out. I, she's a good mom, she Mrs. Jumbo. Mom. She's a good mom. And, and, and poor Dumbo gets grabbed and dragged away. And then they finally manage to corral Mrs. Jumbo and... And then she gets put in a basically solitary confinement in a in a prison wagon. It's like, oh, it's like. Mm. And then the gossipy elephants, like, oh my god, did you see that she's now in solitary confinement? No way! What an insult to the pride of pachyderms! And they're all. One of them is a little bit sympathetic. Like I would have done the same thing if if my my kid were in danger. Wouldn't oh, you? Oh yeah. Are you, ask any parents if they said. If that happened to your kid, would you have done the same thing? Every parent would probably say, oh, yeah. Hell yeah. And here's little Dumbo off to the side, and they're gossiping. And uh, then we get introduced to uh, Timothy J. Mouse, uh, which we don't... He, his name is never said out loud, but later in the movie, you actually see it written down. All right, let's talk for a minute about Timothy, because... He says what we th- we're thinking. He says what we're thinking. He's obviously the audience insert. He's he's a little bit like this movie's Jiminy Cricket. Yeah. He's he's the Jiminy Cricket. He's the audience insert. But the other thing too is he comes out of nowhere. He does. We don't know where who he is or where he's from. He's got this like circus band leader uniform. Uh, he's very overly confident, which I kind of I, I kind of like in a, his character. Like he's just uh, he's just like oh let's do big things for you. He that genuinely. Yeah, he really is kind of a helper. He is, but, like, we don't know why he's with the circus, why he's got this little circus uniform. Like, who is who is Timothy J. Mouse? How long has he been with the circus? He, he's a, he's, he's just, he's just there, and he's just eating circus peanuts. The, not the candy, like, actual circus peanuts, and, like, listening to them gossip and adding his own I like the comments. fact he says, like, what a gossipy... What a gossipy bunch. Also, he's, he's got a... Gab, gab, gab. He gab, gab, gab. I tell you. What a bunch of what a bunch of yokels or what I don't know what he yeah, says. Yeah, I know. He's got a. I'm not good at this. But he's got like a he, hardcore like New Yorker. Yeah, got a little bit of uh, New Yorker. Apparently, or a, uh, apparently the uh, voice actor is known for playing gangsters in other films. Oh, maybe he's got a hardcore like uh, New Yorker accent. Yeah. So um, you know, it just dawned on me. There's two little bits we didn't talk about that happened earlier. There was that we don't have to touch on them much, but there was the circus parade that happens where you see Dumbo oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. trip and fall in the mud at the end. Mm-hmm. That part was fun. They get some fun animal gags. They're like the gorilla that's shaking the bars of the cage. One of the bars comes loose and he looks around and then gingerly like puts it back <laughs> in. I thought that was fun. Uh, if you've seen Donald Duck cartoons, the gorilla looks just like Ajax, the escaped gorilla. Does. Which is uh, pretty neat. Again, consistency with the character styles. And there's just not too much to talk about there. It's There's some fun gags, but when I was watching that scene, I was thinking to myself, this is where the movie gets really cartoony and i think maybe that was part of the appeal is that this movie felt more like just a very long uh either mickey mouse like a like a cartoon short yeah it's a long cartoon short <laughs> the oh, yeah. way it's animated 
And then you have that bit where Mrs. Jumbo, right before he get, right before he gets harassed, he's getting a bath, and then the two of them kind of play together. And Dumbo makes the cutest noises, his little trilly trumpet sound, mm-hmm. as he's being tickled by his mother. And I just wanted to touch on those real quick. But back to Timothy. Back to Timothy. So, and back to what happens. Uh, anyway, well, it's interesting because like. Uh, I remember as a kid, I would watch him eat those peanuts, and I'd be like, ooh, I want to eat peanuts. <laughs> uh, so um, he got he gets sick of uh, them basically saying, saying bad stuff about Dumbo, and Timothy's like, okay, I'm done. Hold my beer. Let's do this. Because they won't, he, they won't let Dumbo in to like eat hay with them. They ignore him. They're like he's an insult to pack to elephant kind. And so Timothy, it just didn't click with me. I'm like, oh yeah, he's a mouse. Elephants are afraid of mice. Uh-huh. So Timothy comes up, and they are all like scrambling away from him. Like a mouse, a mouse. And uh, he's just like, yeah, go. He yeah, doesn't run. do that. He, he twitches his nose. He makes faces, and then I, oh, the part I, I dig is when he's walking out. He spins around and does like a boot, but he likes he briefly has like a Napoleon Bonaparte pose. His mm-hmm. little hat, like his 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 epaulets come up, and he's mm-hmm. got like his hat turns into like a uh, bicorn. <laughs> it's just it's just funny, but yeah, he finds Dumbo hiding under a pile of hay and. Because it's like, oh, yeah, Dumbo's an elephant and is therefore kind of scared of him. And then uh, he basically gives him a peace offering by saying, here's some peanuts. Um, uh, And he's like, yeah, basically, um, Timothy gives, like, really uh, uh, takes a shine to Dumbo and is like, we're going to make you better. We find it's like your ears are actually adorable. And it's he's a, a very uplifting character. What does he stand yeah. to gain from it? I we don't know at he this really point. He really doesn't have anything to gain from it. He's just a really it's he's I, just a nice guy, is that it? I think so because if you think about it, he's very confident. Um, I don't. I think right now he's just he might be just with the circus because he's getting a pretty good life out of it. All he he just basically gets to eat free food that's <laughs> dropped on the floor. Apparently, he gets a really small circus uniform. <laughs> Yeah, and who, who made that for him? And apparently, I mean, nobody. Uh, all animals are afraid of the elephants, and he, the elephants are afraid of him. So it's like, keeps the elephants in check, I guess. Exactly. So it's like he feels he feels he has enough power. So when it's like he decides, I'm going to help Dumbo out. Uh, uh, and then you could tell he's been with uh, the circus on because there's a point when um, you see the. Uh, ringleader talking with i guess his assistant saying like um i have an idea he was like wow he never has an idea <laughs> it's like how long have you been in the circus <laughs> the ringmaster is another sort of caricature which is great he's like if we would call stromboli uh he, he has he reminds me of stromboli. stromboli a little bit just a little less evil and a little more just bombastic yeah and uh he um there's it's all done in silhouette too tent silhouette yeah, um, which that was an interesting thing. That's a lot of the human conversations are done in tent, tent silhouettes. Mm-hmm. That might have been done to save on animation. Probably. Yeah. But it's also kind of a weird artistic choice when you think about it, because the animals are outside looking in. That is true. That actually is true. You Again, this is all from the animal's point of view. The mm-hmm. only time you actually see the... Yes, Gracie. The only times you actually see the humans is when the animals are in the same room as them. Mm-hmm. Um, 
uh, like when uh, uh, Timothy goes in and starts talking to him, you see a very up close shot of his face, um, of the ringleader's face, and it's like because it's a, from Timothy's point of view. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway. Um, so the ringleader's like, I have an idea. Let's stack all the elephants on top of each other for into a pyramid. And I'm like, that sounds like an awful idea. But apparently Timothy is like, this sounds like a great idea. I'm not convinced that Timothy is just doing this for the sake of altruism. I think he there is there is an altruistic angle, but there's got to be something in it for him because that's just the impression I get. Because he's really talking about wanting to make Dumbo a sensation, and there's something at the end of the movie to me that cements this idea, and I'll explain later on. Yeah, when we get to that point. But he's really obsessed with making sure Dumbo's a star, so that a Dumbo can get the place he wants, and b maybe bring Timothy along with him because he's. He's uh, his trainer, basically his his that, partner, that his actually pal. Might be a, not a bad thought process. Because again, he seems like a tag along with the circus. He's yeah. not really a part of it. That's true. Um. So after the ringmaster goes to bed, I and mean, we talked about this. Ter- he can't think of a climax, and he goes to bed. And Timothy's like, this is my opportunity to go in there. And I bet Timothy is thinking back to the last time the ringmaster had a terrible idea for a circus act, which of course resulted in the tragic death of Mr. Jumbo. So- oh, God. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm not. You're not you going to let this you go. You can't tell me otherwise. <laughs> Something horrible must have happened to Mr. Jumbo. So uh, basically. Um- the ringleader's like, I am stack all the elephants on top of each other, and then there will be a climax. And his assistant's like, well, what's the climax? Uh, I don't know. Uh, goes to bed, and Timothy's like, I'm going to be the voice in his head telling him, put Dumbo in as the climax. That part was funny. I, I like that good. bit. Because <laughs> I like that he's like uh, trying to make himself look like a ghost and talking into his ears like, he, cry, getting... he he wraps himself in the edge of the bed sheet. Of the... I think the funniest line is like, are you getting all of this? And like, Good. <laughs> I love the part that cracks me up where he's like, Dumbo. And he starts to walk away. And he's like, Dumbo. And then you keep seeing him further and further away, just going, Dumbo. <laughs> and then the cuts back to the ringmaster. Cuts to Timothy, like at the edge of Timothy. Dumbo. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's like, ringleader decides, I'm going to make Dumbo the climax. So... In the circus, they're putting all the elephants on top of each other. Looks like a horrible idea. All the elephants are like, oh, God. Oh, God. We've this been- part, this part's funny, and it's a little bit... Of, it's a small bit of comeuppance to the, to the, like, sort of... Gabby elephants? Yeah, this whole, this whole trio. Yeah. Or not trio. There's, like, what, seven, six of them? Yeah. Seven of them. So, yeah, there's, a, there's about... It's seven a group of them. of them. There's a group of them. Yeah. Uh, so I remember the ring. The ringmaster specifically says seven ponderous pachyderms or something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, then uh, Dumbo's about to go up. Uh, basically, he's supposed to run down the aisle, and uh, they're supposed to put him on a catapult. It's a springboard and, or springboard. Yeah. And then he jumps up onto the top of it and wave his flag. Do-do-do-do. But the tough part is um, his ears are huge and he keeps kind of tripping on them. So um, Timothy tries to tie his ears up. Uh, But then as he's running down, the ears untie itself and then he trips and falls. And it leads to a whole accident of all the elephants tumbling down. This is a big mad dash, madcap. slapstick scene where all the elephants are trying to... Not just tumbling down, but like they're they're all like 
tumbling into different parts, like landing on the high wire, exactly, and crashing into the tent poles. The they bring the whole tent, uh, big top down. Uh, what was great is there's a part uh, where the Dumbo, audience, the audience members, run in fear for their lives. Yes, there's a part I really thought was funny where um, Dumbo is just trying to run away as the the matriarch elephant is running on the ball. <laughs> she goes, out of the way, assassin. <laughs> and I'm like, assassin? Wow. Well, I that's guess. A, that's harsh. Yeah. Well, he since it, it wasn't his fault, but in her mind, he assassinated the performance, mm-hmm. which is pretty harsh. So all of the elephants are now basically um, uh, wrapped up and like bandaged. They're, they're Casey Jr. is on the move again. And they're all in the in the train car. Yeah, and uh, they learn Dumbo is now a clown. Therefore, he shall never be considered an elephant again. AKA, we're banning him from our group. <laughs> Not that he Dumbo doesn't need to be a part of that group. But there was the only elephants left in the circus, other than Mrs. Jumbo. Doesn't matter. Yeah. So Dumbo's now a clown, uh, or gets is part of this whole. Um, so uh, it reminds me of a silly symphony. Uh, this whole bit with the clowns and the burning house. Yeah, like Dumbo basically has like a clown makeup on, and he's supposed to be the baby on uh, on the top of this building, burning building. And there's a clown with a elephant head on, saying "Save my baby!" And then fire. The clown fire brigade rolls in. A, a lot of the jokes are very silly symphony like too, like um. Oh, we're going to spray this with water. Oh, no, it's gasoline. <laughs> they put a baby on Kimon. Dumbo is actually a baby elephant. And they put him on top of an actual burning, like, thing. Mm-hmm. It's really, like, um, someone, again, they're putting animals in very dangerous situations. Yep. With blatant disregard. I'm telling you. Rest in peace, Mr. Dumbo. My God. <laughs> So, so um, the, after the performance, Dumbo is kind of just ashamed of himself. He's just and, and he jumps he, off the he jumps off the thing and lands in the like the cream net, pie the cream pie that the clowns are holding. And I mean, Dumbo's basically just like um, it's he just feels ashamed of himself. Timothy Strahl's trying to lift him, like you did a great job. It's okay. You did oh, and great. the clowns are thrilled too. The clowns, oh, yeah, the clowns are in their tent celebrating how good the show was. Actually, uh, so... You have a fact about this? I do have oh. a fact about this. This actually has to do with the strike. Um, oh. I mean, we're, we we revisit the clowns like a scene or two later, too. But. Yeah, some of the strikers are actually char- characterized... It's okay. Some of the strikers uh, were actually... Um, uh, car- uh, caricatured? Caricatured um, as the clowns. <laughs> okay. To make fun of them, because uh-huh. especially there's a part where you're like, "Let's hit the big boss for a raise." That was a jab at them. Oh, we're gonna hit the big boss for a raise. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, um, Dumbo is down, and then uh, Timothy's like, "You know what? Let's go see your mother. I already, I got an appointment with her. Let's go see her." And see, this is why my theory, I don't think, is necessarily true. Because, because he, because here's the thing: despite what I, what I think. Timothy does have a good heart, yeah. and he is really trying to help Dumbo out. Sure, there's something in it, maybe something potentially in it for him, but he really does care about Dumbo. Yeah. So then, the sad moment that's like, oh, so it's bi- it's bittersweet. Baby, it's baby mine. 
baby mine. And she can't get... She, it's just her trunk coming out of the prison wagon holding Dumbo while you see all the other animal parents with their animal babies doing their thing. So, There's a, The hyenas in particular stick out to me because they're all sleeping and then they all kind of laugh in their sleep and then they go back to sleep. So um, um, this actually... Uh, this was nominated... The song was nominated for an Academy Award. And, oh. Yeah. Uh, well... This, uh, you know how like uh, Snow White was got an honorary Academy Award. Yes. This movie actually um, received an Academy Award for um, best scoring of a musical picture. Oh. And then Baby Mine was nominated. Oh, best uh, original song. Uh, yes. Hmm. And then, um, actually, funny enough, um. It did. It actually lost to a song called "The Last Time I Saw Paris," but even <laughs> then, that was controversial because that song was not an original song. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Baby Mine is classic, though. It's like that's it's a genuine like feels song, and uh, actually, also, uh, "Baby Mine" was performed by Betty Noyes, uh, who, um, if you you know, "Singing in the Rain." Uh, yes. So um, you know. So, uh, you know all the songs that um, Debbie Reynolds sings? Uh-huh. Well, that's not Debbie Reynolds singing. That was Betty Noyes. Oh, if, okay. So. Yeah, I knew it wasn't Debbie Reynolds singing, but. Um, wow. Okay. The, you learn. This is, the good, this is why we do this show. You learn something new every day, especially when you're revisiting these films. Um, but, yeah, this, this song is just beautiful. Just beautiful. This is a great moment of connection. Dumbo's a real trooper, but you can tell, like, he, he just needs his mother. He just needs to be with his mother. Yeah. And, and he's can... been doing all this stuff because the circus is making him do it, but he just, he, little guy just wants to be with his mother. Mm-hmm. Little guy, he's so cute, and he's got the big ears, and, and, oh, God, my heart. I know. I know. So. So I like, Damn I fi- sad. I find it funny that right after this musical moment, comes the most out of nowhere musical yeah, moment. That's but right. This is my favorite musical moment. So, um <laughs> uh, This is my other favorite musical moment. So, uh let, let before we go into it, um uh Dumbo has a moment with his mother, goes back and uh he's been crying, so uh he starts to hiccup. So, Timothy's like, "Why don't you drink this uh, drink some uh water to help you out?" Uh <laughs> One of the clowns earlier, while they were leaving to go get the big boss array, get it. Have been drinking. Going to the big boss array. They've been drinking and celebrating. One of them knocks a full bottle of, I presume, wine, maybe something heavier, into, maybe it's absinthe. That would make more sense. <laughs> that, that would make a ton more sense. Based on what happens next, it falls into the bucket of water, full thing. That Donald, or not Donald. That Dumbo drinks. He drinks it through his... Okay, this was weird to you. He drinks it through his trunk. Yes. He, he doesn't suck it into his trunk and then put it in his mouth. No, he straight up drinks it. He sucks it up through his nose. Maybe that's also why. Yeah. When you think about it. Uh, could be. Now, when an elephant drinks water, they don't actually drink it through their trunk. They suck water up into their trunk and then spit it into their and, mouth and through their trunk. So he gets drunk. <laughs> he what? gets drunk as a trunk. So, the, so then Timothy's like, what, what is this? What is in this water? Falls into it. He accidentally drinks some of it and is also drunk. Oh, he's, he's swimming in it. It soaks into him. He, they, are, they are totally sauced. They're having fun watching Dumbo blow bubbles. 
And then one of the dove bubbles turns into an elephant. They have the same shared hallucination, apparently. Ladies I don't know how they did it. Best moment, pink elephants on frickin' parade. Mm. This is perhaps one of the most surreal moments I've ever seen. In any Disney movie? Yeah. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Well, it comes, it really does come out of nowhere. It's this weird, intriguing, fantastically animated, but dark and spooky. As legit kind of spooky. Yeah. Well, here's the, here's the interesting parts. Like, a lot of surreal moments uh, in, like, animation will pop up more, but this usually comes up during, like, the 60s and 70s, yeah. which makes sense. Yeah. This is 1941. What a... What uh, did this happen in the original book? I I don't know because I don't under I I love okay don't no no don't get me wrong I love this scene it's great it's so much fun to watch um it it needed this weird thing about these f- creepy looking phantom elephants that are really cartoony um the animation gets really tr- trippy and bizarre uh the music is very uh per- goofy but also. Um, like, you know, chase him away, chase him away. I'm afraid it's like a boogeyman ballad. So, so, um, uh, I actually got a couple of facts because I wanted to know more about this. There's no, oh, me, we have to know more about this, please. Well, but here's enlighten the, me. I mean, there's not much to say on like what was going through the animator's minds or why they chose to do this, but, uh, the song, um, was sung by Mel Blanc is one of the singers. Oh, really? Mel Blanc? Yep. And wow. uh, Thurl Ravenscroft, if you didn't notice. Oh, no, I noticed. I definitely noticed Thurl. Uh, and then also um, another interesting fact, uh, uh, film critic Leonard Malton. This is actually one of his favorite films, and he actually considers the Pink Elephant uh, sequence to be the most original and interesting sequence he has ever seen put on. Well, I can agree with that, because it literally comes out of nowhere, and is just bizarre and makes no sense and it's but it's so fascinating to watch i know but it's like it's got like this whole breakbeat bit where there's like a egyptian part and and then then, everything's like transforming it's just wow i love it so it's so trippy when there's like that belly dancing elephant and then the belly disappears and it's just a ball and the ball turns into a creepy big eye and then the eye disappears and it's just like what is even happening? I don't care. I love it. They're dancing with lightning. There's some parts, there's some parts, and I commented uh, on this to you as we were watching it, where it looks almost Fantasia-esque. Yeah. And part of me wonders, this is just like some weird callback to Fantasia. I mean, you got to realize Fantasia. The surreal parts of Fantasia. I I believe uh, Fantasia uh Came out not too. It didn't come out long before. It was nineteen forty. Yeah, so I, I, I have no doubt this is probably them like saying, "Let's try and do some more experimentation with music or something like that." Yeah, with the animation. Yeah, taste of it. Maybe it was a little bit of a like, "Hey, you know," eh, to um, <laughs> to the people who didn't like Fantasia. Yeah, that, I mean, that could be. Because, you know, we had a whole thing at the beginning of Fantasia that was just surreal imagery, uh, just art images and shapes and shadows to uh, Takata and Fugue. So this is like, okay, here's more surreal imagery, but we're going to center it all around elephants. <laughs> so uh, they have their trip out uh, and end up uh, 
waking up hungover in a tree and being greeted by uh... a murder of crows. <laughs> um, now, are we going to talk about the potentially problematic part of this movie? Because We're, we got to, we have to. Okay, no, no. Here's the thing: it is I say potentially problematic. Because while I recognize that there's some things that are iffy about this, I have some counterpoints. Uh, you're not the only one. Yeah. So this is actually is controversial. Uh, so there no is... No kidding. So there is a... So these crows all uh, are portrayed to look like African-American stereotypes. How... Um, and even, at, which, you know what, I've heard actually uh, when... Even the one that looks like Ward Campbell? <laughs> yeah. So, um, and I think the worst part is that um, there's the leader crow, who is voiced by Cliff Epps, uh, Edwards, who voiced um, uh, Jiminy Cricket. Gotta hand it to Cliff Edwards, he's got good range in, as a voice actor. So he, the name's never said in the movie, but in the script, he's called Jim Crow. Yeah, it's bad. It is really <laughs> bad. Okay. Uh, well, the fact that they're being portrayed as crows in the first place is uh So, there's the idea that this is a this is definitely a racist moment. But then there's some people who have defended the crows by saying the characters they are sympathetic to Dumbo later on. The crows are not bad people they're not portrayed in a way that makes them seem dumb or uh ineffectual or anything other than like just a bunch of fun loving guys who eventually i mean who they don't and then they 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 help dumbo in fact they're they're good friends to both dumbo and timothy by the end of it i I actually really like the first exchange between uh the leader and the you know Jim and uh, uh, Timothy. Can we just call him the leader? Because Jim feels so. Okay, fine. I, sure. I, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, like you, the, you're right. You're right. I, I, the thing is, I get that it's a different time period. Like this <laughs> it's is a 19- different time. Yeah. This but... is, this was a different. Oh God. Because I mean, yeah, this was a different time. This is not okay. Mm. I'm. Okay, before we let's talk about what happens, and then after we get to the end of it, let's you want to express our own. Yeah, yeah, let's do that. So we get there. They they get down from the tree hard in a hard way because Dumbo freaks out. They got up. They're like, "How did we even get up here?" Timothy comments that he doesn't understand how they did it. One of the crows mentions that they might have flown, and then. hits timothy that maybe dumbo flew with his ears while they were having a bad trip and then uh they sing a song called when i see an elephant fly and this is a good song i like it you know what it actually really is a good song it's good it is a really good song it's catchy well one of the things is it's good wordplay yeah like it's really good wordplay yeah and the song is really well written and it's a very catchy song uh they actually so Despite the main leader being uh, a, a white, white dude man. impersonating a black person. Yeah. Everyone else there is African-American, and they actually got um, an all-African-American male choir to sing this song. Oh, good. So that's that's a, that's something. So uh, uh, after they sing their song, um, 
Timothy goes to him and is like, look, why are you making fun of him? And tells him his sob story. And, all, and you can tell the crows feel extremely guilty. And they're like, wait, wait, wait. We can help him. So they give the idea, like, give him this feather. This, uh, like, they, like, they Here's the placebo feather. To say, uh, and just tell him uh, that it's a magic feather that'll help him fly. So Dumbo <laughs> takes it thinking that. And then they... Act- and then they try to push Dumbo over a cliff. <laughs> Well, then they eventually help him out. To, he, they, they're, that, they're, all, they're trying to help. That's what they're doing. And then Dumbo actually flies. And they fly with him, and they're singing. They're like, oh, now I really have seen, seen everything. everything. Exactly. And it's like they're, 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 they're having a good time with him. So if anything, the stereotype here is not a negative stereotype. It's still a stereotype. Yeah. But it's also the stereotype of like, what is it? The trope often referred to like friendly black optimistic advice. Yeah, he, they are. They do come folksy, like you know, you know, mm-hmm. like. Yeah, here's the thing. I I genuinely love love the song. It is a me fanta- too. It is a fantastic me too. song. I'm, um, I'm I not- do. I I in terms of like the person, in terms of like how the crows affect the story, I like their effect on the story, but. You know what? Actually, you know what I I think? Mm-hmm. If there's any listeners out there, I want to hear your guys' opinion. Yeah. Let us know what is it, you is, think is of it, is it a stereotype? Do you consider it more of a stereotype or more of a caricature? Is it a harmful caricature? Is it a stereotypical caricature? It's either way, what do you guys think? Because this is, this is actually one of those um, topics... I honestly like okay for me, for me you know how there's like certain things that appear up in uh, Disney films that you're like this is not okay but well we definitely address that in the Reluctant Dragon with that one bit and we we agree like yeah that's not okay but then there's other ones that were like okay it, it toes that line but it's not yeah this is trickier this one I think is actually firmly in that controversy that it can be seen as extremely yeah bad or extremely good um yeah keep in mind kayla and i both profoundly white <laughs> therefore you know we have our own thoughts but they're our own thoughts and exactly. don't reflect what actually happened and we're trying to be like cool about it i'm gonna be honest i do like the crows i think they're fun i think they're good care i think they're good characters and i think they're judging them yeah, as characters i, I, I think they're and good we got characters. care and there's everybody else in the film is a caricature in their own way too you could say that the ringmaster is a very italian ringmaster character but again that's a, that's a stereotype in its own way this is a touchier stereotype yes so i fully understand if it's like nah this is offensive i get it I still think they're kind of fun characters. One of the movies were actually because cool. I like them. They help Dumbo out. They're 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 actually more interesting than a lot of other characters in the film. Uh, I like their banter with each other. I like how they get along. They're just it's cool. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, we're gonna be um, reviewing uh, the film uh, in our uh, Animusings Plus. Song of the South uh, later on. I, I'm not sure if it's this year or, but within the <laughs> we'll see <laughs> within the coming year. But we do. I I, I, I will admit um, that I'm a when, when it comes to reviewing this film, I feel it is important to animation history. But um, we're gonna need. Well, we're we are bringing on um, uh, 
and where we are bringing on Randy Guerra, who is an African-American artist. Mm-hmm. And I think it'd be nice to hear from uh, uh, his point of view on like these kind of touchy subjects that do appear in Disney animated right. movies. Right. Especially Song of the South, which is perhaps the the biggest one. <laughs> it's of all. the biggest one that, that people will go like, mm-hmm, tug the collar. Uh, I, m- I might actually ask him to like during the um during the podcast what he thinks of the crows too from Dumbo. Oh yeah. Well I would love to get Randy's perspective on that actually. Mm-hmm. Um so Let's jump ahead. Dumbo flew. He landed on a telephone pole. Did not break the wires, surprisingly enough. He's still a baby, but he sure put some tension on them. Yep. And then he's back at the circus. I wonder how they found their way back. Maybe the crow has helped. Maybe they just are like, okay, well, as the crow flies, circus is that way. Exactly. (laughs) So he's performing his clown. uh, He's doing the whole clown performance. Practice and the building is way taller now, though, because well, the clowns are even talking about we're going to go to the big town. When we do, we need to make the spectacle better. We need to make the building bigger and potentially kill this elephant, much in the same way we killed his father, Mr. Jumbo. Oh. So he's way up on this giant thing. And, <laughs> and Kayla is rolling her eyes so big at me right now. Oh, my goodness. So he jumps off. He loses the feather. And he, um, Timothy's saying, you can do this. You can do this. Come on. And he lifts his ears and flies, and everybody's like, what in the world just happened? What am I looking at? I should not be drinking this wine anymore. <laughs> the best this part. This absence is doing bad well, things. I saw pink elephants a couple nights ago. Now I'm seeing elephants fly. The best part is when Dumbo sucks up a bunch of peanuts and starts, like, peppering the the elephants the other elephants with the peanuts <laughs> the matriarch and her posse the gossipy elephants it's like take that <laughs> and then um he, he he timothy is like ecstatic and, and he is launched into popularity everybody's like look at this flying elephant we see loads of news headlines this part's really interesting because he gets really popular he's just like these headlines start rolling out about flying elephant his ears get insured for a huge amount there's uh, bomber planes that get like that based off like him, him. <laughs> and of course okay so here's the part I was mentioning so Timothy signs uh, something official as his manager and by the way we've never heard Timothy's name during the, during the whole movie and it's not until we see like this um, picture that it says he where he's on a contract and his name Timothy J. Mouse is so he's officially Dumbo's manager and I'm thinking like okay here's what Timothy was going for he's he's picked this elephant as his like rise to the top so what does Timothy get out of it he gets to be Dumbo's manager he gets to rake in part of the proceeds too I'm sure so Timothy's sitting pretty now and is probably a major part of the circus so while I do uh, well I've said before I think he's a genuinely good guy and he wants to help Dumbo he's seeing the bigger picture Timothy's got a shrewd mind he's got something bigger he's again uh, Jiminy Cricket went into it not entirely just for the, out of the goodness of his heart. No. When you think about it, he did it because he was totally feeling that blue fairy and just like, hmm, mm. maybe went, maybe I'll get a badge, a medal or something <laughs> out of this. So, you know, I mean, I can't fault Timothy for that. And then we get the last scene where they're on case, everybody's on Casey Jr. again. 
Except now Dumbo's got his own private car in the back and Mrs. Jumbo is in the car. She's been freed. And then he gets to fly to her and they're reunited again. While they reprise um, um, When, when I, I See an Elephant Fry. And the crows are there too to celebrate Dumbo's return with his mother and his big his big uh, rise to fame. And It's so sweet. It's really good. And the train goes off into the sunset while the crows like congratulate him. They're like, I wish I would have gotten his autograph. Oh, I did get his autograph. We'll see ya! <laughs> um, so that's Dumbo. What do we think uh, as a whole? Uh, we? Are you are you using the royal we or are you talking to me? Are you look you're looking at me? Okay, I'll tell you. I like Dumbo. Um, I like I said I didn't grow up with Dumbo, so this was the first time in a long time I'd seen this. I hadn't seen it multiple times in a row, so I'm still kind of like going. But I can see, I can understand. I think why this helped. Uh a catapult back into the realm of success. It was done on a low budget, but it's a story with heart. Yeah. It's a simple story. I think that's, I think that's the thing about this one versus the other stories. This one is simpler. It's definitely like an easy story to follow. Yeah. I, it's not deep like the other ones. There's not much to it. And it's, it's short. Um, I wouldn't say it's, I like, after after watching Fantasia, which was like this masterpiece, I, I it's not as like it's a in terms of animation, it's definitely uh, it's definitely not as strong as something that's actually trying to break ground. It's not an artistic achievement, but it is a achievement in terms of what you can do I, with that budget and also uh, what it was able to do as a as a story. I think I think what I, I think you're right what it's not it's not a very deep but it hits some themes that are like really profound like you know the the parent child relationship the um friendly black optimistic advice oh my gosh. <laughs> so you know what i think um uh like the things that stand out are definitely like certain parts of the film like i think uh baby mine stands out oh yeah Pink Elephants on Parade stands out. Um, Casey Jr. stands out. Yeah, Casey Jr. stands out. And uh, When I See an Elephant Fly stands out. Uh, the story is very simple, but I think what carries it and why we is that we feel for Dumbo. Yeah. Dumbo is actually surprisingly likable for a character that doesn't talk. And you feel for him. Like, he actually... It's like he has suffered a lot for someone who was just born, and but he makes it out alive, and that's that's a nice story. That's like a nice, sweet, simple story, and it does have heart. There's a sense of optimism to it too. There is, there is a sense of optimism to it. I think, um, I think I can come away with it feeling like I, you know, I left the movies. It's not a downer. It's def- no, there's it's not. not many Disney movies are downers, uh, but it's it, it's a it's a feel good kind of movie. It's it's lighthearted and it's fun. I wouldn't say it's it, it and the, the parts that make you give you the real feels are the ones you mentioned. Yeah, particularly the 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 baby mind and the ending. Yes, are what make you go like oh and or I think, yay. I, I or, think that is the strongest part is it, like in terms of the whole s- movie is the relationship between him and his mother. Mm-hmm. That gives it a nice goal to for set the whole thing with and. And Dumbo, like I said, you can kind of put your own impression on him a little bit because he's got, well, he's got personality, that's for sure, and it really shines through because he doesn't talk. I think that's such a big strength of it. 
he's he's so innocent and he yeah. just you his motives are nothing but like they're simple they're simple motives he wants to be with his mother and he does all this other stuff that happens with to him is just things that happen he doesn't want success he's just kind of steered by the people around him luckily he has a friend like timothy j mouse to be his manager now and i think what's nice is like again the one of my favorite lines from this uh the things that have carried you down are eventually going to uh bring you up uh and that's a nice message. Like, sometimes there's going to be things that bring you down. People will make you feel bad for it. But there's ways you can turn that and make it into something good. Mm-hmm. And many, I mean, uh, that that's a nice message. It's like, that don't let, don't let other people bring you down. And be, again, it's simple, but... The me- I, I, I think the message in there is strong. It's a very good message. It, it, it's a it's definitely a good-hearted, uh, optimistic film. Right. Um, so our next one we're going to be talking about is Bambi. <laughs> oh boy, talk about movies with feels. Oh god. Okay, so Bambi uh, will be we will be covering in October. Until then, uh, you can find us on at Pod on Twitter. Uh, you can find us on um, where else can where else do we pop up here? Uh, we also can be emailed at animusingspodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, so if you want to talk to us about the uh, the whole crow debacle, <laughs> the whole co- crow traversy, uh, or if you want to talk to me about the you know the unsung the untold story of Mr. Jumbo, you can <laughs> you know I'm happy to listen. You can tweet us or you can email us, and uh, you know. Feel free to send us any questions you have about um, about our next movie. Anything you want us to address, we will definitely look into it. Don't be surprised if we might we might have a guest for the next one too. I look forward to this. Yeah. So until October, this is your. We're gonna ride that circus train off into the sunset. Casey Jr. strumming down the track. Coming down the track with the smoky stack. This podcast is a part of the Benview Network. You can find this and other podcasts like it at BenviewNetwork.com.